Good morning, everyone. Good morning. How's everyone doing? Good. Praise God. It's a blessing to be here at ASI, um, to be able to share my testimony with everyone. Um, I am from Cleveland, Ohio. My name is Vanessa Doutley, and I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. Um, I, I'm a mother of six children, 14 grandchildren, um, and I love them so much. It's, it's just a blessing to be able to be a parent and to um, have so many grandchildren. Um, right now, I'm at UG Pines. I've been there for seven years working as a lifestyle counselor, um, which has been also a rich blessing. Um, I know a lot of people probably would say, well, why um, are you at um, UG Pines? What drove you to, to go to UG Pines? And that is my testimony that I would like to share with you. But before I share my testimony, that part of my testimony with you, how I got to UG Pines, I want to share with you a dream. And um, this is the beginning of my testimony, a dream that I had um, some years ago, like in 1999, um, about a storm. And I know a lot of you, a lot of us have had storms, right? And you also have had dreams that, um, that have came true, that God has given you dreams that have came true, right? And so um, I had this dream where my husband and I would often take our two youngest um, children with us um, anywhere we went, whether we went grocery shopping or um, just to go visit family and leave the four oldest ones at home so they can get through with their homework or their chores or whatever they needed to do. And in this dream, we were sitting on top of a hill, outlooking Ashtabula, the city of Ashtabula. And as I looked, we were sitting in our van, and as I looked to the north of me, which would be the lake, because we, we lived closer to the lake, I saw this storm coming, these clouds that were coming across the sky. And as they were coming across the sky, it settled, settled over top of our house in Ashtabula, Ohio. And I said, oh wow, the storm is over my house with my four children at home, and all of a sudden, I felt fear, like, you know, what's going to happen to my children, and I'm not there with them. And I look up at my husband, who was in the driver's seat. Um, the, the van just started shaking and riveting back and forth, and I grabbed my two younger children, and I took them and put them up under me, and I laid on top of them just to protect them. That's what a mother does. Um, and like I said, I remember looking up at my husband. He was just sitting like he couldn't move. And then I woke up out of that dream, and I said, hmm, that was a, that was a strange dream. And so um, my husband and I always wanted to uh, move our children out of the big city from Cleveland, Ohio, into Asheville, Ohio. Um, because being in the church, we know that one of the things that we hear all the time is what, move to the country, move to the country. And so we wanted to raise our children in um, the country atmosphere where they can run around and, and just enjoy the, the nature and get them out of the big city life. And we lived, where we lived at in Cleveland was part of the rough side of, of Cleveland, Ohio. And um, it, it was just time for us to go. But what happened that really pushed us out there was when my um, son, Ray Sean Williams, got jumped by some gangs. And being a mother, I was very, very upset about that. And um, he was terrified. And, so I go and I leave, looking, going to the streets, looking for this gang of boys who had jumped my son. Um, I don't know why, but that's just a mother, right? But um, I remember him telling me, he said, Mom, and they had a gun. 
But in my instinct, a mother wants to protect their, protect their um, children, right? And so I praise God for his Holy Spirit because I could have found that gang of boys and got in their face, which I was planning on doing, and they could have hurt me and could have hurt my son as well. So, of course, I didn't find them, but in my mind, it's okay. It is time to get out of the city. It's time to go. And so my husband and I would go out into the country and just look and look for houses out in the country. And um, we didn't find anything, of course, but we would still, like every other day, just leave Cleveland, Ohio, and drive out um, into Ashtabula. To me, that was the closest country out to Ashtabula, Ohio, to find a home. And so we couldn't find anything, so we said, okay, well, let's just move to um, the, a closer city. Um, um, from the country of Ashtabula, just moved to the city. And so that's what we did. We found a home in the city of um, Ashtabula, a nice big home actually, for a bedroom place, it was very nice. And so we made our move out into Ashtabula, Ohio, leaving Cleveland. And um, once we got there, um, it was very, very busy uh, trying to get my kids enrolled in school. You know how that is when you move from one city to the other. There's a lot of paperwork that has to be done, and, and that's what I was doing. I was um, at home doing a lot of paperwork as I'm trying to get all my children to, uh, all six of my children into school. And so uh, at this time, my husband decides to go and get the last load um, in Cleveland, Ohio, at our old house to bring it to the new house. And so I'm at home with the kids, and the day, just, the day goes by, and it gets dark, and I said, wow, my husband hasn't gotten back yet, and I'm wondering what's taking him so long. And so at the time, I didn't, he had the cell phone, he had the vehicle. Um, uh, Ashtabula is an hour away from Cleveland. And so, of course, I couldn't just jump up and leave and go and try to look for him or anything like that. So I, um, so I started worrying. I did have a house phone but I didn't have the cell phone. So um, a friend of mine, um, a church member of mine, decided to give, she called, gave me a call and said, Vanessa, um, we just, I just got a call from the hospital and it said that um, Sid just fell and down the stairs and broke his neck. My husband's name is Sid. And I said, oh, wow. You know, um, in my mind, I was, it was, it was kind of scary, but at the same time, I said, he's gonna be okay. My husband has nine lives. He'll be all right. And so um, I get another phone call from her again and said that Vanessa, he is, not only did he break his neck, but he's paralyzed. I said, oh, wow. So what am I going to do? You know, I'm here by myself with my children, no vehicle, no way to get in touch with him. Um, one of my son, Walter, uh, went with him. Um, so he... My husband's in the hospital, so where's my son? So I guess he's also somewhere in the hospital with them. And so um, my friend who had called me, she came and picked me up. We drive all the way to Cleveland, Ohio, to the hospital. And sure enough, my husband is laying there flat on a bed with a brace around his neck. And um, that's what they told me, that he was um, paralyzed from the neck down. At that time, my whole world was just turned upside down because I didn't know what to do. We just moved to a new city. Here I am with six children. Lord, what am I going to do? No job, um, no job, um, because of course I had to stop working to take care of, of the children and my husband's in the hospital. 
And so, like I said, my whole world was turned upside down. I um, just absolutely did not know what to do. I'm wondering God what's going on in my life. We had just um, came back into the church. Um, I had given my heart to God when I was 19 years old, and, but went to, through the front door and out the, the back and um, was kind of living, doing, living a worldly life for about 10 years. And so my husband and I had just given our hearts back to the Lord, and all of a sudden, this is what's going on, you know. And I said, okay, Lord, what's going on? I, you know, I just given my heart back to you. I want to live right. We've decided to move out in the country, doing, wanting to do the right thing. And all of a sudden, now my husband is down. He's paralyzed. How do I move on, you know? And so I just didn't know, I did not know what to do. But I thank God for the church who stepped in um, to help with funds and to help with food and to help with clothing. Because, of course, I couldn't work, so I didn't have any money to buy my kids' clothing. I didn't have money to buy food and and things like that. And so um, it was just, it was very stressful. It was very, very stressful. Um, so I would drive back and forth and to visit my husband in the hospital every day. Like I said, it was an hour's drive. And probably once you get into Cleveland, Ohio, probably it was a little bit longer, maybe an hour and a half, I want to say. But every day I would do this. When my kids would, I would put my kids off to school, I would go out and just and go visit him and sit with him all day. And then when it's time for the kids to get out of school, I would come back home, you know, fix their, um, their meal and do this every day. I did this every day for six months. So now my husband is in a rehab, and um, they're saying, the nursing home, they say, okay, well, we've done everything for, for Sid. Um, he's not going to, his, his situation is not going to change, um, and you have six children, and you can't take care of him. And so it's better for him to stay here, and we will do the, the caretaking of him. And of course, my husband did not want that, and I understand. You know, he wanted to watch his children um, grow up. Um, he did not want to be away from his family. He wanted to be with his family. So I had to make a decision to bring my husband home. And I, that was something that I had to pray about. Um, and so I didn't know anything about taking care of a handicapped person. I knew how to take care of babies, you know, and, and children. Um, but I did not know how to take care of a grown man, an adult. You know, so they gave me a little bit of training of how to do that and in the hospital before I brought him home. But of course, they was totally in, in disagreement with me um, as we had this big meeting sitting at the table, all the doctors and caretakers were there and, and told me, no, Vanessa, no, this is not something that you can do. Um, I would advise you not to do it. But uh, of course, I wanted to go with my husband's wishes was to, to come home so that he can um, be around his family which I can understand that. Um, I know how it is to be, to be living in a nursing home. I don't know how it is to be living in a nursing home. I worked in a nursing home, and I see how individuals are treated. And I know if some of you are here who had loved ones in a nursing home, you know how that can be. Um, sometimes they're not taken care of very well, you know. And you kind of be, have to be there as a loved one. You have to be there with, um, you have to be there with your, the loved one and make sure they're being taken care of. And so um, that's, the, that's one of the main reasons I wanted to bring my, uh, my husband home. And so 
I told him, this is what I'm going to do. Okay, they said, okay, okay, he's going home. But the house had to be in good order in order to do that. Um, and God knew this was going to happen because he provided the right house for us. The house that we moved into, it had two living rooms. And one of the rooms had doors on each side so we can close him in. And that was going to be his bedroom. And we also had a bathroom on the first floor. So everything just worked out. Like God handpicked that house for us. Um, so maybe it was not meant for us to move in the country at that time. It was meant for us to be um, in that home in the city of Ashley even though it was a lot of, you know, excitement going on, but that's where God wanted us to be. And so I did bring my husband home. I took care of him for, uh, I took care of him for 10 and a half years. But within those 10 and a half years, something, we had another tragedy. So being in the church, I was AY leader, usher, board leader. Um, I wore many hats, wore many hats. And um, we would often go and take the kids out and just, you know, to different events just to get them out of the city. And, and we took them to, a, a, uh, uh, to one of our church members' um, homes, and they had a pond out there. And so we kids loved going, going swimming and um, getting on the boats and boat rides and everything like that. And um, so it was the day, that day we was, it was time for us to leave that Sunday. It's time for us to um, pack everything up and go back home. And of course my husband couldn't um, come because he's wheelchair bound, so he wasn't able to be with us. But we had a respite aide there that would, that would take care of him. And so um, as we are getting ready to, um, to leave and pack up and go, my next young son comes to me and said, Mom, can we go out on the rowboat for the last time? I said, sure, sure, go ahead. And my two younger son, they get on the boat. And my grandson, he was like two years old at that time, he gets on the boat. And I'm sitting on the bench and watching them. And I'm praying to the Lord. I said, Lord, please, uh, you know, when are you going to move us into our country home? I'm ready to go. And as I'm praying, talking to the Lord, my grandson, playing with the water, flips over into the water. And so as he flips over into the water, my next to the youngest son says, Mom, can I go in and get him? I said, sure, go ahead. So he jumps into the water and he goes and gets my grandson and puts him back on the boat. And then he starts screaming for help. And I said, sweetheart, you know how to swim. Go ahead and just swim and get on the boat. And so he's screaming for help. And so others that saw this going on, they come in, they jump into the water and they, and they um, try to get him. One after the other, jump in. One after the other, jump in. And nobody was able to bring him back out. And so at this time, my heart is beating. Everybody's afraid. Everybody's scared. They're on the line. Everybody's on their knees and they're praying because, of course, we call um, um, the ambulance. And um, divers come and they're putting on the gear and they go in. They, they go in and they're looking for my son. All of a sudden, I can, all I can see is them bringing them out. They're pulling them out of the water and dragging them. And then they take them into the truck. And then they start giving them CPR. And I can see it through the windows of the, of the truck that they're giving them CPR. And they're pushing. And of course, I'm crying. And everybody's around, they're praying and they're crying. So 
So we get to one of the Hicktown um, emergency rooms. And we go in, we're in the standing in the lobby. Of course, my son is already there. The MS has taken him there already. And we're just standing, we're just waiting to hear a word to see what's, what's going on. And then all of a sudden, the doctor comes out and says, Ms. Dolly, I just want to tell you that I'm so sorry. But as he is saying that, another nurse, a nurse comes out and says, we have life, we have life, we have life. And so they said, we're going to life fight him to Akron Children's Hospital. Do you have anything you want to say to him? So I always taught my kids to pray. Anywhere you go, just pray. So I go over to him and I bend over in, into his ears because that's the, that's the last thing that goes right. I bend over to him and I whisper in his ear, son, I love you, but I need you to pray. Pray, pray. So it's two and a half hours from where we were at to get to Akron Children's Hospital. They fly him there and by the time we get there, they have him all laid out and trying to keep the body warm because it had rained the day before, and um, it had rained the day before, so the water was kind of murky, it was kind of, um, it was kind of warm, actually, because they said if it would have been a little cooler, but it, the water was kind of warm. But anyway, um, and so while I'm looking at him, and I'm praying, and I'm talking to him, my husband wasn't there yet, um, so I go into the bathroom, and I get on my knees, and I just start praying, I start talking to the Lord, I said, Lord, Please don't let my son die. Be with him, Lord. Heal him. I said a short prayer. And by the time I walked out the bathroom, my son had, my, uh, my husband was um, there. He had arrived. Transportation had brought him all the way from Ashtabula, Ohio to Akron Children's Hospital. And I'm so glad he was there. Because at this time, they told me that there was nothing else they can do for my son. That he was brain dead. And so at this time, my son had passed away. 14 years old, was gone. We were on our way back home. I remember looking up into the sky as we drive home, that long drive home. And I remember telling the Lord that, Lord, you can come right now. You can come now, Lord, because right now I'm ready to die. You can come right now. And if I don't know if anyone here has lost a child, you know how that feels when your child dies and you actually watch your child die. And there's nothing as a parent that you can do about it. What can you do? And so being a parent and taking care of a handicapped husband and at this time, I also had to um, um, start a business in my home. I ran a daycare in my home. So I was taking care of six children, and when they would go to school, I would bring six more children into my home because I had to work. So you're doing all these things, and, but you cannot get, you can't take, what can you do when your child is in the water? Your child is dying, or your child, your child dies. There's nothing 
that you can do about it. And you always are the type of person I'm in control. And I couldn't be controlled of the situation. There was nothing I can do about it. And I wanted to end the way that I was feeling. But I couldn't end it. So it was horrible for my husband and I both. It was time for me to get out of that city home. I wanted to move in the country really bad. But at this time, I said, I don't care where I go. I just wanted to get out of this house because there was too many memories. And so um, I was planning on moving. That was the plan, to move. But as our husband and I were contemplating on moving, um, he was getting very sick. He was in and out of the hospital as well. Um, of course, someone that is... Um, like he was in his situation, um, organs started failing quickly, and his did. I remember my pastor calling me after my, a week after my husband had passed, Gregory Jackson. He said, he gave me a beautiful Bible verse, which I didn't think it was a beautiful Bible promise at that time, but it was Romans 8.28, and I'm, I'm sure everyone here is familiar with that, for we know that all things work together for good. And at this time, I'm saying, how in the world could this be working together for good? I cannot see it right now. He said, Vanessa, it's okay. One day you will. I said, okay. But I was kind of upset with him because he gave me that Bible promise. I'm like, I can't see it right now. So we did end up moving out of our out of city home and moving to our country home. My husband and I was very, very, very depressed. I remember one time when I went into my room, I just started crying, crying, crying. I was just, I didn't, couldn't get control of myself. I was just crying. And I remember hearing this voice saying, God doesn't love you. You're not going to make it to the kingdom of heaven. And you're a sinner. And I just felt myself just fall deeper into depression. It was a horrible feeling. But I was ready to die. My husband would get up in the morning, he would wheel his wheelchair around and look at my son's picture that was on his wall in his bedroom, and he would just scream and holler and scream and holler. And then, three years later, three years later, he was very sick. He was in and out of the hospital, like I said before. He was diagnosed with stomach cancer. Stage four, stomach cancer. He had surgery, he wanted to do chemo, but he had lost so much weight, he was so sick that he couldn't even do chemo. He was diagnosed in December, and by March 9th, my husband had passed away. So now, here I am, my son is gone, and now my husband is gone. So I'm falling into deeper, deeper, deeper depression. I didn't know what to do. Living myself with my two youngest children, because at this time, my other, my, um, four of my older children, they were, had their families, and so my two younger children were still living with me. We lost our country home. We were split up in different families. Praise God for those ones who opened their doors up for us. And so three years later, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. I said, okay, Lord, this is it. I want to die. 
And I feel like you have opened the door up for me to die. This is how I felt. This is the finale of my life. The enemy has said, he said, you're a sinner. You're not going to make it to the kingdom of heaven. And God doesn't love you. I said, why should I be in this world anymore then? What is the purpose? My son is gone. My husband is gone. I'm ready to die. So this is a cancer is going to be the thing that's going to take me out. I accepted it. Okay. But I heard a voice say, go to Yuchi Pines. Go to Yuchi Pines. So I called Yuchi Pines up to find out if I could even come. I did have surgery to remove the tumor. Called back again and let them know what happened. They said, okay. What stage are you? I was stage three. And then um, my pastor said, go to Yuchi Pines. So I said, okay. So I called Yuchi Pines again. I told him everything that was going on. I talked to Dr. Thrash. She said, I want you to do this. I want you to go outside every day and walk. She said, I don't care if it's rain, sleet, or snow. This is what I want you to do. Go out and walk. I said, okay. I love Dr. Thrash. She, I used to watch her every day as I put my little ones down to sleep. Natural remedies would be on my TV every day. And so when she said, go out and walk, I said, okay, that's exactly what I'm going to do. But she said, better yet, you need to come here to boost your immune system. And so that was third confirmation. Even though in my mind, in my heart, I'm ready to die, I don't, really don't care about even trying to, because in my mind, I'm going to die to get any type of healing. But I know it's the Holy Spirit that pushed me in that direction to go to Yuchi Pines, okay? So I go. Even though I was trying to put the day off for tomorrow, my husband always tell me that, Vanessa, you always put the day off for tomorrow. So I was trying to skip sessions. And my pastor said, no, Vanessa, go the next session. The next session is available, go. And so I did go, being obedient, and went for two sessions. God told me, go for two sessions. God is so amazing and so loving, and he cares for us. So I go to YouTube Pines and sitting there listening to um, the lectures, stress management, um, mind and body connection, which is the law of life right now. Um, listening to, to Dr. Mark and Dr. Thrash and some of the things I disagreed with because I was not together in my mind because basically I was suicidal. I was suicidal. I was figuring out how to take my life because um, I wanted to end this pain that I was in. And so, <laughs> so Dr. Mark would get up and do his mind-body connection and sometimes I would just get up and walk out and didn't want to hear what he had to say. And there was things that was in his lectures that I needed to hear, but because the enemy had already caused so much darkness in my life that I couldn't see the light. Okay? So it wasn't until one of his presentations that he had done 
and he was talking about the cross. And by the way, Dr. Mark was my doctor when I was at UG Pines. Um, and so he started talking about the cross. And it was something that he said about the cross that really got me. And I was wanting to get up and leave out the room. He said, when people hurt you, when they do wrong to you, they don't know what they're doing. I'm like, what? When people hurt you or they do things wrong to you, they don't know what they're doing? That really was, I, I was boiling inside. Dr. Mark probably never heard me say this. This is the first time he's probably hearing this. But I was boiling inside because I was so hurt already and pain, you know, ready to die. And here he is saying that when people do you wrong, they don't know what they're doing. And remember, the cross is on the screen here. And he paused. It was very good, really silent in the room when he said that. And he said, the reason why is because they don't know Jesus. And when he said that, lights went on. I said, okay. Dr. Mark knew that something was going on with me. Of course, he was my doctor and he was counseling me. But at this time, I believe, he said, it's time to start digging deep. And see what's really going on with Vanessa. And so he did. So our next meet, uh, meeting that we had with him, he started digging deep and he knew that there were some other issues other than my son dying, my husband dying, me having cancer. He said, okay, there's something else going on. What's going on? And so there's this door that we all have that we keep closed shut and it's locked up and we don't let nobody in. And I had that door. Nobody's to touch that door. Nobody's to go there. But Dr. Mark was able to open that door up. You see, I was not raised with my mother. I don't know who my father is. And my mother was a young mother. We ended up in a foster home, three of us. And everything that you can think of happened to us in our foster home. Mental abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse was there. And those are the things I didn't want to be touched. And I had hatred in my heart for those people who did those things for, to me. I had hate. And I wanted them to die. And so Dr. Mark started talking to me about forgiveness. I was like, no, I don't have to forgive. He said, Vanessa, you have to forgive. I said, no, I don't have to forgive, Dr. Mark. And we had session after session after session about this. So I remember being in my room one night and the Holy Spirit gets me up and tells me to get on my knees and start praying. So a certain person that abused me when I was a child came into my thoughts and I just start feeling that pain all over again. And the Holy Spirit said, get on your knees and start praying for that person. So I got on my knees and I started praying for that person. And even asked for I even said, Lord, I forgive that person. And then when I said, I forgive that person, I said, I love that person. And I want them to make it to the kingdom of heaven. And every night after that, Dr. Mark would get me up to do that same prayer. And he would bring another person and another one and another one until I forgave every one of those individuals. 
God is good. That's how God works. He is an amazing guy. I never thought I would ever be able to open up that door. See, when we hold unforgiveness in our heart, it's like drinking poison, wishing the other person would die. I know you heard that plenty of time. But it's also you're in this cage with the key in your hand and you're, in, you're locked up in this jail. Not wanting to get out, not wanting to leave. You want to stay in this prison. Hating someone. Here I am, AY leader, usher board, on the board, hospitality leader, all those things. But I'm sitting on a pew having hate in my heart. And so here it is now, Dr. Marcus working with me and there's another individual who was working with me as well. I had a lot of counseling and that's what I need. I was there for the physical, right, for, for cancer. I got that treatment, but I saw something amazing that was going on there. It was dealing with my mental because I was suicidal. I was ready to die. I was listening to the enemy and I had closed God completely out of my life. So I praise God for spirit-filled individuals like Dr. Mark who allow the Holy Spirit to work in them and through them to save lives. Because I'm standing before you today. Praise God. And so this is at the second session, the end of the second session, my last appointment with Dr. Mark. And we're having this meeting and we're talking about the going home plan. If anybody's ever been a guest at YouTube Pines, you know what I'm talking about. Your going home plan. And of course, with Dr. Mark, it's always some counseling going on. And so he was counseling me once more and I told nobody individual that I haven't forgiven. And I felt like there's no way that I could can forgive this person because he hurt me so bad. He actually lived in the city of Ashabula with me, and he, um, not with me, but he lived in Ashabula, and he um, worked at the store, the, the grocery store, and I would often see him as I went to the store. So every time I saw him, I felt something in my heart, like, you know, I wanted, if I could have hurt him and gotten away with it, I would have. Have mercy. I had that much hatred in my heart. So I'm telling Dr. Mark these things, what's going on. He said, Vanessa, you, you had to forgive. And I'm like, no, Dr. Mark, because I feel, he said, it has nothing to do with your feelings. You need to be, you need to forgive. He said, one day you're going to see him. And when you see him, do what God tells you to do. And at this time, I'm like, Dr. Mark, I already know, I said, I'm not going to see this person again. I don't want to see this person again. That's how I felt. And so this time I'm leaving, I have left Uchi Pines and during the time that I was there, I saw what was going on there and I loved it. I loved the work. And I decided to pick up an application and I filled it out and I sent it back. Uchi Pines accepted me back there as a student. And so as I was getting ready to come back, I went to the bank to tie up some loose ends and the bank was completely empty. So I'm in the bank and all of a sudden I hear a familiar voice and I have my back like this and my, my, my friend Beverly was standing in front of me 
and she's um, taking care of her business, and she, I said, Bev, he's here. So she kind of looks around at me, and she looks at him, and she looks back at me, and she says, Vanessa, whatever you want to do, I got your back, got your back. Now, it sounds like a gangster move, but she's not like that. If anybody knows Beverly, she's, she's a very sweet, sweet person. But, um, but I know because I had told her my story, so I know that she was willing to, to be with me um, on this journey, this journey that I was getting ready to take. And so I said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to walk out the bank and um, go get to, by the time I get to your car, before I can, you know, get into the car, this person comes out, parking lot completely empty. It comes out to a parking lot, I'll go and do what I need to do. And so that's exactly what happened. I walk into the car, get to the car door, and what you know, before I can even open the car door, this person comes out the bank. So I say, okay. So I go over to, go over to him, and I say, um, hi, my name is Vanessa. I'm your foster sister. Do you remember me? And he gets very, very upset and hollering and, who are you coming in my face? Da, 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 da. So I let him do what he had to do. And then I said again, very calmly, my name is Vanessa. I'm your foster sister. Do you remember me? He said, oh yeah, girl, how you doing? And talking and he gives me this big old hug. And then he says, I don't know what was wrong with me back in the day. I was wilding out. Would you forgive me? And I say, yes, I forgive you. So we hugged, we talked. My friend was in her car. She had some literature in her car, so she hands it to me to give to him. We talk a little bit. He goes his way. I go mine. I get into the car, and my friend and I, we just boo-hoo, and we just tear and cry and cry and cry. I believe at that time I was made whole. Remember the man at the pool of Bethesda, right? He's laying there. And Jesus walks over to him and he says what? Wealth thou be made whole. So Jesus does not want to heal us physically, but he wants to heal us mentally and spiritually. Amen? That's being made whole. And I praise God for going to these pines because I was made whole. Even though I wanted to die, God said, no, I want you to live. I want you to live to tell others what I have done for you. I stand before you cancer-free. Praise God. Um, The treatments there were harsh. (laughs) You, um, the fever baths. Um, but God got me through for two sessions. And it's amazing how you can use something as water Amen. to heal your body from disease. Amen? Amen? Amen. And I really believe that God built these places, put these places together for people to, come get, for people to go and get complete healing. Thank God for that. I thank God for putting forgive, forgiveness in my heart. Because if I would have held that in my heart, and I believe, I thank God for cancer, because I, I believe that God brought me to Yushi Pines just for that. It wasn't about the cancer. 
It was about my mental state. I would not have made it to the kingdom of heaven if I would continue to hold on to unforgiveness in my heart. And he knew that. So he had to allow cancer to give me to UC Pines. I mean, do you see paths in your life where God is working things out for good? Romans 8, 28, what? For we know that all things work together for good. Can we see that right now? How all these things that happened in my life worked out for good, even though, even though I lost my son. That's something that you'll never forget. I will never forget that. But God has strengthened me to be able to move on each and every day. A tear drops, still drops right now today for him, for my husband. But I think all things, I believe in all things work together for good because I am standing here before you today, being able to give my testimony, the guests that come at you should find, being able to share my testimony with them and to encourage others. Amen? Amen. That's what it's all about, to encourage others. If there's anyone that's here, and if you not really have not heard me when I talk about dealing with forgiveness in your heart, and if you're holding any unforgiveness in your heart for anybody, please, 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 pray to God and tell him, ask him to help you with that. Only God can give forgiveness. We don't know how to give forgiveness. Matter of fact, we don't even have a right to hold any unforgiveness for anyone in their hearts. We don't have that right because Jesus did what? He died on the cross for all of our sins, right? And he forgave us for every sin that we have committed. We commit sin every day in our thoughts, you know? Somebody might look at you and say, oh, that's a good person, but you don't know how their thoughts are when Jesus is forgiving you. Amen. Amen? So we don't have that right to hold any unforgiveness for anybody in their heart. So I pray that if there's anything that you, maybe in your past, I don't know, somebody might have done you wrong and you're still holding that unforgiveness for them, remove it. Pray and ask God to help you with that thing. God is so good. And we know in Matthew 15, Matthew 6, 15, he says that, if, if you can't forgive others, I cannot forgive you. Amen? So you, you're kind of like, you're walking dead, basically. If you hold any unforgiveness in your heart for anyone, you're basically walking dead. Dead men walking. Amen? You can walk out this door and die at any time, trip over this cord over here, Bump your head, you're gone. And if you're holding unfor any unforgiveness in your heart, you will not make it to the kingdom of heaven. Do you believe that? Do you not believe that? You will not make it. Is, heaven, is that worth losing heaven for? Nothing on this earth is worth losing heaven for. And I thank God for bringing that into my heart. I thank God for allowing me to see that. Those people that I hated, that I wanted to kill, and I'm still sitting on the church pew, and I'm still working for the Lord but I have hate in my heart. Thank God for Dr. Mark, for allowing the Holy Spirit to show him that I was gonna see this gentleman again. I know, I, it since chills my spine to know that I was talking to the Holy Spirit at that time, because how did Dr. Mark know I was gonna see him again? He said, you're gonna see this man again. And when you do, do what God tells you to do. That's deep. And I was obedient. Praise God. Amen. Praise God.
I'm going to let you know that we have a booth here, um, and some of our providers are there as well. If you want to go and speak with them at any time, you can. We have a session that's, um, that's coming up, a 10-day session. And if you or one of your loved ones would like to come to Uchi Pines for our 10-day session that's coming up starting this Sunday, um, you can go to the booth and, and get signed up. Um, I know that you will be blessed um, because Jesus is there. Jesus is there. He walks up and down the halls of Uchi Pines. And I know in all our institutes, he does. And we thank God for them. Amen? Amen. Okay. I'm going to have a word of prayer, and then I'm going to leave the stage. Dear most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you. I thank you so much, dear Lord, for all your care, your love, your mercy, and your grace, dear Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord, for just healing me mentally, physically, and spiritually, dear Lord, that I may lift you up, dear Heavenly Father. I may glorify your name, dear Lord. I may tell others what you have done for me, dear Heavenly Father. And I pray that if there's anyone in this room right now, dear Lord, for whatever reason that they're holding any unforgiveness in their hearts, dear Heavenly Father, for anyone, dear Lord, that they will pray to you, they will go to you and beg of you, dear Heavenly Father, to help them to remove it, dear Lord. Lord, we're living in the last days and we don't have time, dear Heavenly Father. We don't have time, dear Lord. Time is short to have sin on our hearts, dear Lord. And Lord, I just pray, dear Lord, that if there's anyone that's sick and afflicted that's here, dear Lord, that they will take advantage of our lifestyle centers, dear Heavenly Father. Go to them and, 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 and meet you there, dear Lord, so that you may heal them as well, dear Lord. Be with us, dear Heavenly Father, for the remainder of this time here at ASI. I just want to thank every individual, dear Heavenly Father, that thought about allowing me to come here to stand on the stage, especially the Magnolia's, dear Heavenly Father. Be with them, dear Heavenly Father. Lead and guide them, dear Lord. Be with every institution that is here right now, dear Heavenly Father. I pray that they will get the things that they need in order to continue on their path, dear Heavenly Father, the path that you have put them on. Lord, I thank you and I love you for all your mercy and grace, understanding your wisdom. In Jesus' name I do pray. Amen. This media was produced by Audioverse for ASI, Adventist Layman's Services and Industries. If you would like to learn more about ASI, please visit www.asiministries.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.